Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, what's going on? I am Rich Valdez. We are right here in Midtown Manhattan at our brand new studio. And it's a happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I want to talk about everything that's going on right now. And I was driving here this morning and I have my oldest daughter in tow, Jada. Big shout to the Jada. And what's cool about it is we're having this conversation on the way here. We talked about tech censorship and we talked about so many things with respect to the current election about how it's a possibility for votes to be stolen with rigged systems. This isn't something I think we should just discount out of hand. Just like, oh, no, that's not possible. Too many people go down that road and they think, no, well, you know, that's just uh, phony baloney. And I was listening to my colleague, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani last night, and I thought to myself, you know, God bless Rudy Giuliani for doing what he's doing. It's not easy. First of all, he doesn't need to do it, right? Rudy Giuliani has a place in the history books. He does. He was America's mayor during the 9-11 attack. That that was enough to solidify him in Wikipedia and every other real encyclopedia out there because he turned New York City around. He cleaned the city up. He handed it over to Mike Bloomberg as best as you're going to get it. Stop and frisk wasn't an issue. He had corrected the issues of former Mayor Dinkins, God rest his soul. So what was the impetus for Rudy to put his legacy on the line? And I don't think it's on the line. I think you can't take away what he's done. He took down the mob. And this wasn't, I didn't intend to make this a soliloquy on Rudy, but I was listening to that. And then I hear all the critics put up or shut up, bring the evidence, stop bringing these cases. And I think to myself, that's like saying, hey, I'm going to punch you in the face. And while I'm punching you, don't you dare block and don't you dare punch me back. You've got to be out of your mind if you think you're going to punch me and I'm not going to punch you back. I'm not going to ask you, hey, why are you hitting me? Please don't hit me anymore. Now, listen, you're throwing punches at Trump. You're throwing punches at the campaign, at his election, whether or not it was legitimate or not. He has a right to defend himself. He has a right to call it out. He has a right to go to court. And that's what's happening. Now, the fake news media, the fake news media wants you to think that everything they say is true. And I'm glad that I have a kid that's 19 years old that can look at the media and through her own eyes, even though she wears glasses, with her own eyes, she can see what's really going on. And she can say, you know what? That sounds like it doesn't pass the smell test. Smells like fake news to me because it is. I'm scrolling last night and I happen to wake up. I don't always wake. I'm usually up late. But if I don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning, it's very atypical. But I woke up like ready to go at three o'clock in the morning. I thought it was like 5.30, my usual time. And I thought, man, why am I up? So, you know, I scrolled a little bit. I checked out my parlor. I checked out my Twitter, by the way, at Rich Valdez with an S on parlor or Twitter. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But 
I'm looking through it. I'm looking through it, and I see articles saying Giuliani and Trump team talk about hearings today that we're having hearings in Pennsylvania, hearings in in other states, and the headline is hearings that the states say they're not holding. And I think to myself, well, that's interesting. Uh, Let me do a little snooping around. So I look around and I see that, you know, there's probably what I'm going to call a couple of cowardly Republicans that are afraid to stick to their guns and stand up to call it like it is that want to say that they're having a informal meeting, an informal meeting. Now, according to the statute in Pennsylvania, you can have a hearing, you can have an informal, um, you know, uh, meeting or another name that they had for it. I'm forgetting the exact nomenclature, but they were one in the same. They fall under the same statute. And the reason they're doing that is because hearing sounds very official. And if Giuliani comes in and says, hey, this is so-and-so, and so-and-so saw this, that, and the other thing. For example, our board operator, Mr. Justin Ellick, a.k.a. Jizzle. Now, if Jizzle is a witness to ballot stuffing, and I bring him in, or Rudy Giuliani brings him in, and says, hey, Jizzle, what did you see? And he says, well, you know, it was like midnight, we were about to go home, I was really tired, we were counting votes all night, but I wasn't really able to get close enough to the votes, because when I tried to get close, they put a metal barricade up, and they said, no, if you're a Republican poll watcher, you can't watch them actually counting the votes, you have to be 100 feet back. As far back that they were actually saying, you have to use binoculars in order to actually see what's going on. So that, that all happens. And then they say, oh, you know what? We're going to start bringing stuff in. And when they find out what's coming in, it's not food for the people staying late. It's more ballots that they just miraculously found in the middle of the night when everybody went home, including me. Two o'clock in the morning, I finished our live broadcast. And I talk about this every day, and I'm going to talk about it every day because it doesn't matter the outcome while it does. What really matters is the truth. People need to know if there was tampering in the election, we have to call it out so that we don't have future elections that are wrong. But anyway, the media, the point of this rant right here is that the media wanted to go on this big to-do informal meeting, right? And that's probably cowardly Republicans that are wording it as such or some political deal they had to make with the Democrats that are also on their committee. But what I find interesting is that just call it a hearing. We had 13 hearings for Benghazi over three years. There were hearings all the time. Nobody ever debated the fact that they were hearings. But for Trump, they will not even afford him the chance to call it a hearing. They want to call it an informal meeting. And the reason why? They want you to presume that this thing is done. Put a fork in it. Put the final nail in the coffin. This thing is over. Trump lost hands down. And we must move on. You have to move on. You must move on. And again, I wasn't born yesterday. I say this all the time. I remember I got into politics because I thought Al Gore was a punk and he cried for 37 days in the year 2000. I was a young man. I had a small business. And I said, you know what? Between the guy from Texas that owns the baseball team and the uh, the former vice president, who you think former vice president, this guy's got to know what he's doing, right? He was with Bill Clinton, of all people. Bill Clinton was at the time regarded as the best president ever. Matter of fact, he, even, he was even hooking up with interns in the Oval Office to a teenage boy. He was like, man, that guy's my hero. I love that guy. I want to be president because of Bill Clinton. No. So what's, what happens? I look at this now and I'm like, you know what? Back then. And I said, Al Gore is a chump. He is crying. He lost this race and he's trying. So I see why people are criticizing Trump. I do see it. They think he lost and he's trying to cheat his way by suing his way back into the White House. I disagree with that because the big difference here is Trump actually won once, right? He's in the White House. He is the president. This is not an open seat that two guys are running for. But again, 
you hear it every day, and I'm going to preach to the choir. 37 days were afforded for one state. They allowed 37 days. Here we are, I don't know, at 20-something days, if that, and uh, everybody's having a cow. And now that they're having a hearing, all of a sudden, oh, no, we're not going to call it a hearing because we've already certified the elections. Now, for those of you that listen to the great one, Mark Levin, and Rudy Giuliani pointed it out last night that the great one, Mark Levin, was right when he said this rush to certify these electors, this is happening. This is somewhat unprecedented. We have not seen where people are moving so quickly to get this done for Biden. And it's because it's it's like when you steal something in a store. And I'm not speaking from experience, but imagine if you stole something, you're like, I'm going to get out of here before they get me, right? You want to do the dip. That's what they're trying to do. They stole this election and they're trying to get out and they're trying to pull it over fast before anybody realizes what happened. And that's that. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all the social media. You're listening to This Is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. All right, New York, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. Check me out on Parler. I love Parler free speech platform. So free speech, and I actually have to ban people sometimes because they get a little out of hand. Something they probably wouldn't say in real life in the street, but hey, everybody's entitled to be a telephone tough guy, a Twitter tough guy, all good. I like to say, bring it, don't sing it. Now, facts matter. Although it doesn't seem that way when we look at the propagandists and the pseudo press, I thank God for the faithful journalists that still believe in the truth. And for our president, who's fighting for that right, fighting for our republic. President Reagan often remarked about the importance of informed patriotism. And informed patriotism, to me, is something that today people look at that and they go, you know what? That's radical. I don't think it's radical that we inform ourselves and are knowledgeable of the facts so that when somebody comes to us with a bit of fake news, that we have the sense to discern what the truth is. So we can say, well, you know what, based on what's going on, we know a little bit about this happening in the past. And now we know you're full of it. That's not the case. Now, I I think of that because people want to dismiss the Al Gore thing, right? I bring it up. I found a really cool old picture and I put it on my social media at Rich Valdez with an S and it had a picture of Al Gore on CNN of them saying projected winner, President Al Gore. Now, of course, you know, if you have any sense, Al Gore was never president of the United States for 37 days. He ran around like kind of like Biden is right now. President elect Al Gore, you know, presumed presumptive president elect Al Gore. And they did a better job, honestly, back then in the fake news media of not pushing him over the top the way they did Biden. But to me, I look at that. It's like they had 20 years to perfect how to pull one over on you. And with this Al Gore thing going on, I I look at it and I think it's it's amazing. I've kept my mouth shut every day. I share articles on the progress that the Trump legal team is making with their battles. And yes, they are presenting cases. And some of those cases are getting thrown out. And in fact, a large number of them are getting thrown out. So now, if you're the opposing counsel, you're going to say, oh, that's funny. Giuliani is defending Trump and Trump is bringing these lawsuits. And every day they're getting laughed out of court. That's what they're saying on the left. 
However, people that actually know stuff, like, and I'm going to bring him up again, the great one, Mark Levin, yesterday made a really poignant comment on his show. And one of the things he said was, he said, you know, I was the president of a nonprofit legal foundation known as Landmark Legal. And he said he'd brought hundreds, hundreds of cases. And mind you, Mark fought the NEA and won the, the National Association, Education Association, because of teacher union battles. And he said he's never had that many cases thrown out. In fact, he said most of the cases he brought were never thrown out. And he wasn't taking digs at the legal team saying that they were inadequate. Quite the opposite. He was saying that because you have such an expert legal team, people like Giuliani, people like Jenna Ellis and others that are externally working on the president's behalf, like Lynn Wood, who he's called one of America's super lawyers, Sidney Powell, who he said is an expert federal litigator. Mark is saying, just like he did in his first book written 15 years ago, in Men in Black, that judges and justices have gone rogue. They have been politicized. Politicians have used courts because they despise the Constitution. Now, I'm not going to backbench all of Mark's show because that's Mark's show. By the way, speaking of Mark's show, I'll be hosting Mark's show this Friday. So make sure you tune in to the Mark Levin show. So I bring all of that up to say we have to at some point say, hold on a second. We have to look at the facts. We have to analyze things and say, why is it that all of these things are happening and we're not making any progress? And that's where I have to say, I have lots of experience in this world. Working in Trenton, the fact that a Republican got elected in New Jersey is a feat in and of itself. But it, you have to, it begs the question, how did it happen? It was a perfect storm, right? Chris Christie had built a remarkable reputation as a crime-fighting prosecutor, United States attorney. And that was a good thing. Quite frankly, Rudy Giuliani did the same thing. He was a crime-fighting prosecutor that brought the heat and took down the mafia in New York. Back when John Gotti was a thing and the crime families were running the city, Giuliani came in and took down the mob. Giuliani stepped in on a lot of things. But he had this persona of being a crime-fighting prosecutor. So did Christie. That helped. What else helped? John Corzine, probably one of the worst governors in New Jersey's history. So when you combine a terrible governor who was dating the head of some union, uh, I think her name was Carla Katz, and when Carla Katz says, oh, I don't know anything, we don't talk about shop talk, it's just, you know, he's my boyfriend, blah, 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 and then they find emails that he was telling her things and she was things, and there was deals being made. I mean, the corruption was clear. She was hooking up with the governor. Things were happening. Union deals were happening. They had emails to prove it. And he was there just like, no, no, really, it's not true. Then he's like so many Democrats saying, oh, don't do this and don't do that. And what happens? He breaks both his legs and he ends up in a, like a full body cast because his state trooper was driving at like 100 miles an hour speeding and he got caught after he got into that accident. So literally, it was a disaster. John Corzine had a horrible, horrible, horrible experience in, in his um, administration. So all that being said, that was the perfect storm that came about, right? Then you had Governor Chris Christie, who rose to the challenge, in my opinion, just like Donald Trump did when he oversaw this massive Massive disaster in New Jersey that hit Long Island and hit New York, Hurricane Sandy. And they made fun of Governor Christie for wearing the same navy blue fleece that said Governor Christie on it days on end because he spent days on end awake 
away from his family in, in ravaged, hurricane-ravaged areas. And people were like, you know what? I like this guy. They liked the fact that he was somewhat affable because he was a big guy, a heavyset guy, and he was funny, and he was, you know, he was a, a wise guy, and he was cynical. And I think that worked for some people. Others hated him. I remember one year around this time, holiday time, where they sent out a prayer from the teachers' union praying for his death. Now, I don't want to talk about Chris Christie on end either. I know as of late, a lot of people don't think he's uh, terrific because why? Because he says that this national legal team was a, uh, uh, was it a disgrace? No, I think he said it was a, an embarrassment, a national embarrassment. And I take exception. I think I disagree with the governor's statements on, the, on President Trump's legal team. But my point was it was that perfect storm. And I believe President Trump really rose to the challenge and handled coronavirus in an exceptionally good way to the fact that faster in 10 months, we now have three vaccines that are n- more than 90 percent effective. You tell me if that's not unprecedented. Operation Warp Speed, spearheaded by Trump himself, was a huge success. And the media refuses to admit it. Even the drug companies. I don't doubt the president when he says that the drug companies themselves slowed things down so that they would release these vaccines after the election. Truly, people didn't like the swoop in his hair, the color of his hair, the color of his skin. That's racist. Uh, but they didn't like his orange hue, which I happen to love. I think it's great. I love the whole package. I've always loved El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. He's terrific, in my opinion, because he's not a politician, because he steps up and puts himself out there and he doesn't care. He said It's not that he doesn't care. It's because he cares. He doesn't care for the criticism. He doesn't care what you say. He cares about America. But anyway, the, what I was setting up for before I run out of time in the segment was the media will do anything to stop that. And when we had that Republican win, it was because Christie was able to work with the Democrats. The problem that Trump continues to face, and this is old news to so many of you, but I think it's important that we refresh these things and keep them top of mind. Trump represents we the people, not just technically, but literally. He is a guy that left his Fifth Avenue penthouse, Trump Tower, went to Washington with his supermodel wife and decided, I'm going to give all of that up. The last report I saw, and I think it was in Forbes, said that he's lost $600 million since he became president. And he did that for America. Now, if you put yourself in that position, why would he even fight to stay in that position if he's losing so much money, more than half a billion dollars in four years? I'll tell you why. It's called believing in something bigger than yourself, believing in something that matters, believing that he has grandchildren and children that he has to leave. He realizes, in my opinion, that God has been good to him and given him much and much is expected of him. He has to leave this place better than he got it. He can't just turn a blind eye and say, oh, things went so good for me. I've got Mar-a-Lago. I've got this and I've got that and screw everybody because I'm 70 something and I'm out of here in 20 years. That's not what America's about. That's not how we roll as human beings. We have to leave things better. There is another generation. And that next generation is who we have to look out for. If they grow up without any media literacy, if they grow up without the ability, like I was referencing my daughter and her glasses, to be able to call out the BS that you see in the media, we're lost. As a people, we're lost. Some people think that we're in a better place today than we were during the revolution. During the revolution, they had 
press that was identified by the party. And if you don't know about this, pick up a book, great one called Unfreedom of the Press by Mark Levin. That's why so many newspapers are known as the whatever, whatever Democrat Chronicle or the whatever, whatever Republican Observer, because each party had their own press to tell their own story. Now, today you'd say, oh, but that's just propaganda. The reality is we have propaganda now and it has no label on it. You turn on CNN and you're thinking you're getting fair and balanced and you're not. You turn on Fox News, you think you're getting the real deal and you're not always getting it. So I think we were better off then when we knew that's what the Republicans are saying and this is what the Democrats are saying. Now, we're not done just yet. There's a little bit more to come. Keep it locked right there. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. Welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez wishing you the best of Thanksgivings, the best Thanksgiving you ever had. Now, like I was saying, on the way in, you know, I was dodging the squeegee men and the, uh, the homeless people with the cups, the panhandlers. And I saw one that I actually know, at least know of. There was a homeless guy today on, that was probably 40th Street and 6th Avenue, Avenue of the Americas. And I looked at his face and this guy has been a homeless guy on the streets or in Spanish, we would say tecato, because I think he's a heroin addict. This guy has been on the street since I was in high school in New Jersey. He used to be all over Bergenline Avenue in Union City back when we used to use vinyl, right? So my buddy Money, one of my closest friends in the world, is like a brother. He used to be a DJ. So we used to go down to two places, Your Beat Records and Odyssey Records. And on our way down, there was always this one homeless guy with these like ice blue eyes. Spanish guy, salt and pepper beard. And I, I always saw him and thought to myself, what's what's the deal with this guy? And he was always just walking around high as hell. And I hadn't seen him for many years. Obviously, I went on, had kids, got married, got divorced, you know, got into politics, got into this, got into that. Now I talk about politics on the radio. And today, or actually like a week ago, I saw him. But now I've seen him three times in the same spot. He's always panhandling in the same place. And it begs the question, okay, so it doesn't matter what kind of administration you have, whether it's Obama, whether it's this one, whether it's that one, there's always going to be a permanent class of people that just are too lazy to do life or too infirmed. It could be that this guy is sick, he's ill, he's whatever. But to me, what what it the chord that it struck with me was that, hmm, I think that we could minimize this if we were more effective with health care, when it came to mental health, when it comes to other things. Like here in New York City, they have the Strive program that Shirlene McRae, de Blasio's wife, she's in charge of, and she wants to bring so much good to so many people. But they make a mess in the bed. They've misplaced, get this, a billion dollars. And this is since a year ago. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But while they're busy looking for a billion dollars, billion would it be? Like LaBrosie, B, billion dollars, they got no money, and you've got these crazies running around New York City. They're just literally running around. So I look at all that stuff, and I think to myself, hmm, we got an issue here. 
And we do need prisons. We do need jails. I don't think it's fair for the rest of us to live a life with people that are willing to rob and cheat and steal. And I'm talking about rob you, not just rob the Dwayne Reed. Just to get what they want to get by. When they get frustrated, they think that you owe them something and that something that you owe them may be in your pocket. This flies in the face of liberty. This flies in the face of what the founders intended for us to have our right to life, to liberty, and originally private property, but they changed that to the pursuit of happiness. Because for many people, private property is the pursuit of happiness, but for others it wasn't. And there were issues with respect to slavery that they were debating over. So I I wanted to bring that up, mainly because I needed to complain about it. It was something that was bothering me. And B... It really sets the tone and the context for, again, how the media just turns a blind eye. I come into the city six days a week, and six days a week, I see the same thing over and over and over. Einstein said it best that if you do the same thing over and over, that's literally in expecting a different result. That is the definition of insanity. However, in New York, that seems to be what they're doing. The only guy that did things any different was Rudy Giuliani, and he got better results. So one of the things that comes to mind for me is if you want results you've never had, you have to be willing to do things that you've never done. I learned that as a salesman very young in my career. And they taught me, if you want to break the bank and blow away your quota and you want to be great at this, you've got to start doing things you've never done because you need to bring more to the table. And it doesn't matter... Um, what those things are. You have to identify what those things are and bring them. So I look at that and I think that's what Trump did. Trump did all sorts of things. He's the one that said, you know what, we've got a problem with the media being in the tank and the media generating all of this power where if you go against them, they just run with the story about you sleeping with so-and-so's wife and then they destroy your career. So because the media can blackmail you, they can do whatever they want with you because you're afraid to be defrauded by the media because you yourself are a fraud. But Trump figured out, I don't care what you say. So when he said, oh, grab him by the P word. And what happened to Trump? He said, yes, sorry, locker room talk. And everybody said, yeah, you know what? You're right. Most guys are fresh like that when they're with their buddies and they think nobody's looking. And and, and I'm talking about women said that. And they were like, yeah, I grew up with brothers. I know guys. I, I went to high school with guys like that. And everybody said, yeah, you know what? You're right. The guy's a billionaire. He's a superstar. That's literally what he said. He said, oh, are you kidding me? And when they know that you're a superstar, it's almost like they want you. It's like they let you. Uh, so I think he got a pass on that because it was just he was real. And he didn't say, oh, I never said that. Oh, it's beneath the dignity. of." He just said, yep, sorry, locker room talk. Next. And because he did that, he took the wind out of the media's sail. No more oxygen for that fire. Then they came at him with all other stuff. And he said, Rob, you're fake news. Who are you with? We're with CNN, sir. You're fake news. And he just called them out in their face, putting them in their place one by one, just like he did in the Republican primary, kind of smacking them one by one. You know, Jeb Bush, next, 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 Senator Rubio, next. He just, it was like he was their daddy and they just came in line one after the other and he smacked them all and he said, I'm winning this thing. And it was then to me that I said, man, this is the kind of guy we need. A guy who's a real man, un hombre. Speaking of that, and un macho de verdad, like my dad would say, the other day I was on Newsmax. And I had a really great time on Newsmax because we were talking about that. And they were saying, Democrats are saying that 
the reason that more Latinos voted for Trump in this election and he had such gravitas with them was because of machismo. And I had to stop the um, assertion and I was saying, I do believe that, but let me explain why. And the reason I believe that was because I believe machismo and in general masculinity is under attack. It's under attack from the left because they don't want to see a man be a man and to stand up for himself. They want to be able to put you in a corner and put you in a box, and that's why they call it toxic masculinity. Now, in my lifetime, being a man, being masculine, was never something that was toxic. And if anybody here ever got to meet my dad, which many of you haven't, but those that did totally understood, he was definitely that definition of toxic masculinity. My dad was a very tough dude. He had big hands, big knuckles, huge forearms. He would take it to the fight quicker than taking it to, let's talk it out, let's talk it out, pal. It wasn't like that, not him. So I look at that and I think that's who, that's the cloth that I'm cut from. I mean, of course, you know, my mom, she was, she was a talker. I get a lot of my talking from her. But I look at that and I bring him up, A, because today is my dad's birthday or would have been his birthday, God rest his soul. He's been gone for a few years. But I, I think of that, I think of him, and I think of the attack that's going on on masculinity and how we need someone that's willing to be a man. And I'm not saying that a woman has to be a man. A woman can be a woman. She can stick to her guns and do what she's got to do. People have to be of their word and not succumb to the pressures that the media puts on you. And that's what I love about Trump. He turned this game on its head. He took all that power that the media had and he said, no more. Because he said, you're wrong. That's fake news. And I love that. Another thing that I love about him is that You know, the old saying, the bull in the china shop, and I've talked about this before, but I bring it up again because I voted for him to be a bull in the china shop. I voted for him to go to Washington and break as many things as he can. It's kind of like if um, my ex-wife has a four-year-old kid, cute little kid. His name is Jacob. He's very well behaved. But let's say he was a bad kid and I didn't like somebody. I would bring the little kid and say, hey, go wreak havoc in these people's house, you know, on their house, because that's what Trump was there to do. And I'm not saying Trump's a four year old. I'm saying Trump is a master. He's a master at at this uh, this chess game where he understands that there's this pomp and circumstance. And it's like the, the left and really the swamp. It's not so much the left. It's the swamp culture. And when I talk about the swamp, obviously, I'm talking about the entrenched bureaucratic government class, people that expect to make point twenty five more than you just because they get it at the government's expense. And this class of people, and I don't even believe in classes, I I shouldn't even use that word, but this, this group of people in Washington or elsewhere that I worked with in Trenton, they believe they're superior to everyone else because when they retire, and I've mentioned this before, but it's worthy of repeating, and I'm probably gonna lose a few followers with this one, but there are people that work in government that got it way better than everybody else, way better. Not only do they make a higher wage than other people doing the same work, whether it's administration or secretarial work or whatever, but they also, at least in New Jersey, they get two pensions. You know, one is actually called a pension. The other one's called deferred compensation. It's like a 403B or a 401k type of deal. You know, more money for when you retire. And I don't know many people that work outside of government. They get a pension and a deferred uh, compensation plan through the government, right? That's uh, taxpayer dollars, despite the fact you earned it. I'm not taking that away. 
But my point is, then you get the, the Cadillac of all Cadillac health insurance plans that you don't have to really pay for, or you pay 1.5% of your salary for, which again, not congruent with real life. Outside of the government, people pay thousands upon thousands of dollars for health care. This is why guys like Bernie Sanders even get any wind in their sails because of that. So you have these people that live in an alternate universe. Now, if you're a government guy, let's say, you know, you, um, whatever form of government you work in, a municipal government, county government, state government, and then you think, oh, she's cute. She's a teacher and she's a public school teacher that also works for the government. You guys just hit the lotto. Now you're talking about making two, three $300,000 a year. Meanwhile, your, your neighbors are probably making ninety dollars or $100,000 a year, struggling to live the same life you're living. And that's why they're struggling to pay off one home. And you're like, well, we're going to, this house is taken care of. We're going to get another house down the shore and we're going to expand and we're going to do this. And I, I say that to say, it's just farcical to think, you know, for those people to turn around and think, well, you know, it's not so bad. It's not so bad for you. <laughs> because the rest of us that work in the real world where, you know, you only get what you're worth, not what the government says you're worth, you, you actually get what that business makes. The business will never pay you more than it can afford to pay you. The minute that business can't make money because some governor decided to come in and say, what? You're open past 10 o'clock. Don't you know Corona turns into a Kraken after 10 o'clock at night? When that happens, th these governors, uh, they don't lose anything. They lose nothing. Maybe they get heckled a little bit when they're out to dinner with their families. Do we have that one from yesterday? Because that one is just an interesting one that I, I think I, I, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I got to be honest. I don't I wouldn't do it. I would not. I wouldn't want it done to me. You know, the golden rule. But I do love the fact that people are bringing their grievances and seeking redress from their government. Although in this case, they did it the wrong way. But listen to Governor Murphy having dinner with his family, outdoor dining with about six people and constituents, residents of the state of New Jersey, having a few choice words for Governor Murphy. Check it out. Oh, my God. Hey, how you oh doing? Oh, my God, Murphy. You how are you doing? Such a you're having you fun are... with your family. In the meantime, you're having all kind of other bullshit going on. A little too drunk? No, no, I'm not drunk. As a matter of fact, well, can you put your mask on. Please? You can yourself. How's that? Wait, I don't need a mask on. You know why I don't need a mask? Because there ain't nothing wrong with me. I like your Trump. Phone. You're right. Guess you who know. Trump likes? He likes my dad. Yeah, yeah. He do no, he doesn't like your oh, phone. He does. Now, I know I played that yesterday, but it, it really just it, it's again, I'm of two minds. I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. Guilty as charged. I, I love the fact that people are engaged. I wish they would have done it differently because this was almost like BLM tactics. And I don't support it. I really don't. I don't want to be out to dinner with my family and have somebody do that to me because, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what that's going to end up like. I don't think I'm going to sit there like the governor did and pull up my mask and just, you know, stand at attention. I really don't think that's going to be my response. I think I might blow a gasket if somebody did that. And the fact that he's there and his Secret Service or his state police protection didn't step in, I just think it, the whole thing was just wrong. It really was wrong. He should be entitled to be with his family and his children and do what he's got to do and say, hey, you know what? I respect your disagreement. Come to my office and they should have the couth to say, you know what, I tried or I will or whatever. But I bring all of that up because on the way here, I was talking to my firstborn 
And we were having such an interesting conversation. It really was the inspiration for so much of what we were talking about today. And being that they gave me an extra five minutes of airtime, you know, I was like, man, what did I do good that they gave me such uh, a moment? I figured, you know what, let me put my kid on the spot and have her talk to us. So she's going to talk into the microphone. And my, my thinking is, this is an 18-year-old. She's not brainwashed by me, 19. She's not brainwashed by me because I always felt, somebody once told me when she was born, they made a really critical comment to me. And the comment was that I was doing something wrong by teaching her my Christian faith. And I thought that was wrong, but I said, you know what? I'm going to guide them, but I'm not going to force them. And that's how I've always tried to be. But Jada, welcome to the program. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And quickly, just answer one question for me. What are your thoughts on, do you think it's appropriate or what is it that you believe that the government is doing right now with people and people's lives in the name of coronavirus? I think it's wrong for people to be forced to stay at home. I don't think that we should be obligated as American citizens by the government to stay home. You know, like I said to him earlier that the government is only composed of a few people in office, you know, daily. And we are 8 million members. So the people in government, they're controlling the 8 million people that live in this state without a say. And I just think that that's not fair because... Like I mentioned to him, too, they don't even know my name. They don't know anything about me. They just know that, you know, what's going around. They want to protect everybody, but I have no say. You're right. And (laughs) that's what we call liberty and them taking away our liberty. I am Rich Valdez. This is Talk Radio 1071. I want to wish you the best Thanksgiving that you've ever, ever had. I always say if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to stand there and do nothing. And that's Sir Edmund Burke. So stand up, do something, rise up, learn it, read it, do what you got to do and have a great Thanksgiving while you're doing it. I'm Rich Valdez and hasta la próxima. This is America. This is America. 